Um, we have a special guest who's with us today, our district superintendent, Reverend John Hatton. He's been spending some time this summer traveling around the district, doing a lot of preaching and teaching. And so would you all welcome uh, John with us this morning as he brings the teaching. I, I, didn't, bring my, uh, I didn't bring my guitar this time, though, but uh, I was kind of wishing I had now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, that is one good-looking Gratch guitar. I was kind of, Daryl, where are you, bro? I was, I, you know, you're not supposed to covet, so I'm not going to covet. But I was kind of looking at it during the service, like, man, that's like the perfect color, too. Oh, it's gorgeous. Well, I want to read to you from um, a, a piece of scripture from the very, very last little bit of the Gospel of John, John 21. And um, I'm going to start at verse 18 here. And you all can follow along on the screen. There we go. And so I tell you the truth. When you were younger and you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, Peter. And if someone else will dress you and lead you where you will want, not want to go in your old age. And so Jesus said this to Peter to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, your word, you have spoken to us now. Your words have echoed across two millennia of time to enter into our ears and enter our hearts right here in 2022. And so in the power of your spirit, Holy Lord, I just pray that you will help us to set aside this time to hear from you clearly. Move in us. May your Holy Spirit dwell powerfully and richly in this sanctuary of yours. But more importantly, dwell deeply within the sanctuary of our hearts. We want to feel you, Lord. We want to encounter you in real ways. We don't want to leave this place today unchanged. Instead, we want an encounter that will change us to the core of our being. This is our heartfelt prayer and we pray it in your name, Jesus. All right. Well, it's great to be here, Revolution. I It has been about a year, but I love coming to this church. This is like, Rachel, this is like one of the most fun churches to preach at. I mean, it's like, I can wear jeans. I mean, it's like the best thing in the world. And, and make all kinds of kind of unholy, not unholy, but just kind of maybe just some interesting comments about things that I probably couldn't get away with in other churches. So I really like it. I mean, I think it's great. But uh, I want to 
wanted to tell you a little bit of a story about a time in the church that was full of a lot of uh, infighting and and a lot of people in the church at this time. They were on one of two sides, and each side thought that they were right. I mean, of course, right? By the way, I love it when people talk back, so y'all keep on talking. I mean, this is just like, it, I mean, we're like, of course it's this way, right? I mean, we're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the people of God. And yet here we are, we're, we're fighting and we do it. I mean, we have done it. Oh, my Lord, we've done it. Well, this story happens back in 374 AD. So, I don't know, 1600 and some years ago. But I want to tell you a story about uh, a pastor who lived during those times when you had two different camps of the church that were really fighting like cats and dogs. I mean, they really were. And here's what they were fighting about. They were fighting about the nature of Jesus Christ. Now, on the one side of the argument, you had this group of people that believed that Jesus, the Word, the Son of God, had always existed. Always. Forever and a day. And beyond. In fact, they said, they believed that Jesus, the Word, had always existed just like the Father and the Spirit. There was never a time, there was never a day when Jesus, the Word, the Incarnate Word, or, or not the Incarnate Word, Jesus, the Word, had not existed. And then, on the other side, were these folks that followed this, this dude by the name of Arius. And he taught that actually Jesus was created. He was a created being. And that Jesus hadn't existed. The eternal word was not really truly eternal. He was created by the Father at the incarnation when Mary became pregnant. And so these two sides of the church, the Arians and the Orthodox, what I call them. And by the way, this is what we believe in the day. We, we know that this is to be true. This is what we hold to be true. That Jesus has always existed. That the, the word has always existed. We confess that in our creeds, right? Right? Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. So, oh boy, they were fighting. Now, in this little town called Milan, Italy, my wife actually was over there a few weeks ago, as a matter of fact. She didn't take me, by the way. She went with my brother, and they had a big old time over at the Obergau Passion Play, and then they went down into Austria, and then they went down into Milan, Italy. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a pretty nice little trip, you know. But I had the opportunity to be with my little daughter back there. I just see her back there. Hi, Lise. She's like, what? <laughs> Dad's up there. And anyway, in Milan, Italy, during this time, the bishop of that place, which is kind of like a, 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 a pastor to pastors, I guess you could say, he died all of a sudden. And so guess what? Christians being the, the spotless lambs that we are, they started fighting back and forth about this side and this side both wanted their person to be the new bishop. And so there's this guy, his name is Ambrose, and Ambrose was an attorney. He went to, to the best schools that the Roman Empire could offer. He came from a really wealthy family, uh, and uh, he had a brother and a sister, and they were just, they're really good at like 
what they did. Ambrose, in fact, he rose in the ranks really quite quickly, and the emperor noticed this. And Ambrose was, at a very, very young age, put in charge of the area of Milan. He was the governor. Got into politics really young. Well, here they are, and Ambrose is a very young Christian. Hadn't even been baptized yet. And here are these two sides of the church, and they're fighting in Milan, Italy. And so he decides that he needs to step up, and he gets in the middle of all of this argument in the church, and he starts calming people down, and he says, you all need to listen to one another, and let's figure out a way forward, right? Let's talk about this. Trying to mediate. And he's doing a really good job. He calms people down, and people are doing really, really well. You know, they're talking. And then something very interesting happened. A little child, and by the way, I, I like watching you all's little girl. It's like the most adorable thing. <laughs> she's like over here dancing. It's like they're in the world. She's like, So a little girl, about that age, it said, by kind of tradition and history, shouts up in the middle of this great big cathedral, Ambrose. Or bishop. Now remember, Ambrose was a what? He was a, an attorney. He wasn't no clergy person. And so what did Ambrose do? Well, he just ran like I did when I got my call, Rachel. He was like, I'm not having anything to do with this at all. And so he did. And he did some really th interesting things, actually, that I wouldn't recommend doing when you're running from a call, but he did them anyway. One of the first things he did was is he got... And I'm going to be real careful because I know we have some children in here, including my own. But he got some ladies of the night that he hired. And he, he, he didn't utilize their services, but he did have them come and stay in his house so that he could ruin his name. You know, he's like, there's one way to get out of this, this calling bit. And it's to, <laughs> it's to, you know, do some things that not too well looked upon, right, in the Christian community. And so that's what he did. Now, as governor, he also had the ability to uh, influence the court systems. And so he, he um, dabbled his finger into the court systems, and he did some rather unethical things with the cases that were going on. And let's just say it didn't turn out so well for some of the, the, the folks that were on trial. Eventually, Ambrose, he just hid. He was hiding out in one of his friend's house, underneath the bed, and eventually they found him. And they dragged him out, and they brought him to the cathedral. And here's how fast Ambrose's rise to the episcopy was. All right, remember, he was a new Christian. He was still young in his faith, still wasn't baptized at all. So he's baptized one day. He was ordained a priest the next. And then he was consecrated on the third. <laughs> That's like, what just happened here? And... <clears throat> the interesting thing was was how seriously he accepted his call after he had run from it. Remember, I told you he was wealthy. He gave his wealth away. He set some money aside for his, his sister and, and his brother. But otherwise, he gave his money away to the poor. He believed that he needed to live an ascetic lifestyle to be a, a pastor. That was Ambrose. 
his call in the middle of a church that was feuding and fighting with itself. Peter's call was just about as complicated as Ambrose's. And, and I think the last time I was here doing your maternity leave, actually I preached on Peter too. And that's when I was able to do that little snide comment about Peter um, that I would never get away from with anywhere else. But Peter, of course, here he is. Jesus has been resurrected. Peter has seen Jesus now. He knows that Jesus is alive. And yet Peter kind of goes back to things that are comfortable in his life. He goes out there and he's out fishing and he's not doing well at all. And then, of course, there's this, this know-it-all dude that Peter doesn't recognize calling out from the shore of the Sea of Galilee one morning, why don't you look over on the right side of the boat and throw your nets out there? And I'm sure Peter was like, you're right, wise guy. Okay, here we go. And, of course, <laughs> what happens? Again, he doesn't learn his lesson too well. I mean, brother, come on. <laughs> and um, then Peter all of a sudden is like, oh, oh, oh. It's him. So he races to the shore. And the first thing that Jesus wants to do is he wants to have those hard conversations that we never like to have. Because they're always like riding in the, in, in the future with us. And it's like, ooh, it's like going to the dentist. Sorry if you're a dentist, by the way, but some of us just have a, a little bit of a, a fear of that drill, you know? But it's like there was a conversation that had to be had because you remember what Peter did three times? Denied him. And so here is Jesus, and he sits down, and they're eating breakfast, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, you love me with a heavenly love, an agape love. You've heard that word before? Yeah. And Peter responds, sure, I love you with a brotherly love. Philea, you know, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Yeah, I, I, I love you with a brotherly love, Jesus. And then, and then Peter says, well, go feed my sheep. It was a call to be, in a lot of ways, a shepherding pastor bishop that's what bishops do and then Jesus says Peter do you love me with a heavenly love and Peter says yeah I love you like a brother Jesus go feed my sheep and then of course the last time that Jesus talks to him it gets even easier because, or interesting rather because Jesus says Peter, do you love me like a brother? It's using Peter's own words. And Peter's like, throws up his hand and he said, Jesus, you're cutting me to the core here. He said, you know all things. You're the one that spoke the universe into existence. You know, you know, you know what's in my heart. You know that I love you. Peter says, go and feed my sheep. Go be a shepherd. Go out into the world. On my behalf. But here's the thing that really has captured my heart in recent months. Um, and it's this. It's the verses that I read for you a few moments ago. It's about 
Jesus talking to Peter in this rather interesting uh, penetrating moment, I think. He's penetrating into his heart. He's just asking him three times, do you really love me for the three times that Jesus denied him? And then he says, Peter, I got some news for you. When you're young, you could dress yourself, but as you get older in this ministry that I'm calling you to, you're going to be led around the belt. You're going to be taken to places that you don't want to go. In fact, your arms are going to be stretched out, and this is the manner of death by which you're going to die to honor me. You're going to die as a martyr, Peter. Now the part of that that really gets me as a pastor right now, Rachel, to be confessional with you, is, you know, we're, here we are together. And we're with our brothers and sisters too in a time uh, really where in the United States, I, I just got to tell you, again, I'm just, this is just John Hatton, I guess, but it just really kind of sucks right now. And it's a little bit like Milan, Italy, and we got people over on this side, we got people on this side, and there's, it's even, it's in our country, but it's gotten into our churches too, and we got people fighting. I can't tell you how many pastors have come into my office and are crying because their churches are fighting. And so, you know, I think it's time to be a little prophetic and call us to, to the words of Jesus and of sacrifice. The other thing is, is I got to tell you, Rachel, you know, there, there's parts of me that's like, you know, the way that the church in the United States is going right now, it's, we just keep on declining. And it's like, I got to tell you, that really hurts my heart. And it's like, really? What's going on here? I just got to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. COVID is really just taking, giving us a gut punch as a church. I've got churches, some of my churches are 50% of their people are gone. Because it was just easier to stay home. This is the world that we live in now. And I'm not saying all that to beat up on you guys. You guys are here, right? Woo! You all are here, but it's still the way, you know, I'm sure you look around, you all are not, you know what the world we live in is, and it hurts, doesn't it? And sometimes, Rachel, it's just easier in my mind, and I've talked to my wife about this, it's like, maybe it would just be easier to just go down to Brown Foreman and roll barrels. And I'm a little bit like Peter in that moment because I go back to fishing. That's what I know. Although I've never rolled barrels before. But, <laughs> but you know, it's like I'm looking for a way out. And yet, I keep coming back to this passage and Jesus is talking to Peter about having this belt around his waist and taking him to places where he doesn't want to go. And i got to tell you, there's times when I just don't want to go. And yet I have this call in my life. We have this call as a church, don't we? 
to go and serve Jesus. I love the last song that we sang. You know, we, we were saying, you know, I don't have much. But I'll give it to you. And it's easy to say those words. It's easy to sing it. But when it comes down to it, there's some real sacrifice in there. Right? There's a story about when I was 19 or 20 years old. Now, you guys are going to have to give me a little bit of grace, okay? Because I'm getting ready to tell big on myself. But it's the mind of a 19-year-old. I was going to my dad and mom's farm at the time. And I think that, gosh, I think, yeah, I was still in college. And I, was, I went to school at Eastern. And dad picked me up, and we were going to head out to the farm, and he needed me to help him do some things. You know, I don't know, cut up trees or whatever that had fallen down. And so on the way there, you know, you got to go through this town called Irvin, Kentucky. If Yeah! Well, and if you've ever gone to Aldersgate Camp, well, then you know you've driven through Irvin and Ravenna too. So we're going through there, and here I am. I'm in the passenger seat of my dad's car, and we're driving through Irvin, Kentucky, and it's right there on the edge of Appalachia. And I'm thinking to myself, again, in my 19-year-old mind, oh my gosh, I would never want to live here. There is nothing to do. Look at all these buildings. They're all falling down. There's no businesses. There's nothing to do. There's no fun. There's no movie theater. The only restaurant that I see here is McDonald's and some other place that I'm not quite too sure about. This place is not hopping. There's no way in my life I would ever live in Irvine, Kentucky. Yeah, you know what's happening next. <laughs> so anyway, I go to uh, Emmaus Walk uh, a few years later in my life. And I was like, finally, I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do this thing. I was in a career uh, in, in the medical field at the time and, 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 and was struggling with that and that career. But also my call finally said, okay, yes, I'll go, I will go into ministry. I will do it. And we head off to Lexington, we move in, go to seminary, spend, spend my time there. We get done, I graduated, yes. and then I'm waiting for the call from the DS. Where are you going to go? And my DS, she calls me up and she says, John, your first appointment is Irving, Kentucky, United Methodist Church. And I'm like, no. Really? I'm, I'm never, ever, ever saying I don't want to go anywhere else, God, because I know what will happen. But I think that we touched some lives there, didn't we, Julie? It was a really, really amazing time. While I was there, I started wearing, um, it was more of a traditional church. And so I started wearing this thing called an alb. And maybe you've heard of those or not. It's a kind of a clergy robe that we can wear. One of the things that you, and, and there's all kinds of things about an alb that's really kind of theological in nature. But one of the things that I, I liked about it was, is you, you wrap this rope around your middle. And it's called a cincture. And it's symbolic of what 
Jesus was talking to Peter about and that God can grab a hold of that rope and drag you as a clergy person that you've set your your life aside for him and take you to places where you may not want to go. And so every Sunday morning I would put on that robe and I'd tie on that that cincture, that rope. And I'd be like, okay, it's like this remembrance every Sunday. It was like, yes, I'm going to places where I may not want to go. That's my story. Last Sunday I preached with an Albon at a more traditional church and I put on that cincture because I needed to remind myself again God's called me to places I may not want to go but it's part of what being faithful is all about you know Ambrose he had this shepherd call upon his life Peter he had a shepherd call too both of these guys they had a rather interesting beginning to their ministry and I would say we all like to run from hard things things that require sacrifice and if you think that I'm just preaching at you go ask my wife Julie in the back because she knows the struggles that I've been through right honey sacrifice so where do we can sing in a song and it's great, it feels good to sing it, but then when it comes down to it, it's like breathing, breathe in, breathe out. Jesus is calling me to something. Now, we were um, in the uh, green room before the service and I forget now who, maybe it was you, Rachel, maybe Daryl, it was, it was you, but you all shared, you shared that my middle name was Wesley, so I'm literally, I am John Wesley, actually. And John, <laughs> and they were like, you never had a chance, did you, dude? And I was like, no, <laughs> never. So anyway, you know, John Wesley, one of the founders of Methodism in England, and his brother Charles, they had a lot to think about and, and a lot to say about Holy Communion. And... Um, one of the things that they understood about Holy Communion, this meal, is, is that Jesus, we have to remember that Jesus gave himself sacrificially for us on the cross. And we remember that in vivid spiritual detail. I better not step in front of that thing. And yet, what John and Charles Wesley, what they also understood was, was that when we come to the table of the Lord and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, John and Charles, they said, we as Christians, we have to remember, we have to be faithful, we have to live into the fact that we are called to respond to Jesus' sacrifice by living sacrificially as well. And so, really the core of the teaching today, the, the means of grace, where Jesus is getting into my heart and your heart and having this breakfast conversation on the Sea of Galilee is this. I think Jesus is asking you, what is your cincture? What is the rope that's being tied around your waist? Where are you called to be going?
as a disciple of Jesus Christ. A place that you may not be all that comfortable with, but it's good and it's holy and you don't go alone. A church family, do you hear me? You don't do it alone. You don't do the hard things in life or in the church alone. Jesus promised His Spirit to be with us and His Spirit has never left the church. And I don't care how rough it gets in the church. I'm not quitting. Not quitting. And neither are you. Because creator of the universe, His Spirit is in this place and within you. Within you. So the question is, is as you're coming forward to communion today, is what is my cincture? But also, I want you to think about this as a church. And sorry for meddling a little bit, but hey, that's what happens when you get preaching. Revolution Church, what is, as a body of Christ, what is your sanctuary? Where are you all being called to that may be just a bit uncomfortable? All the while knowing there is grace to carry you through faithfully whatever you do, not for your glory, for the kingdom, for Jesus is called. I want to invite you to, uh, to bow your heads for a moment as we pray for communion. Prepare for communion. And I just want to give you some space to uh, just confess to Jesus now. What are some of the things that you're struggling with in your life? You're trying to be a holy person. You're trying to live according to, to the spirit, not of the flesh. And yet, there are times when we fail. Maybe it's a call that Jesus has put on you and you've not entirely been too sure about wanting to follow that call. Because it's uncomfortable. Just confess that to the Lord. You don't have to speak it out loud. You just whisper it to Jesus right now. our prayers Jesus brothers and sisters what I want to say to you is is that you are forgiven I'm not the one that forgives you Jesus is you are forgiven and there's great freedom in that and I want to also say I am forgiven too thanks be to God it lets you stand up a little bit more straight and breathe a little bit more deeply now I want to invite you to remember about this faithful God of ours that never ever gives up. Back in the very, very beginning of all things when Jesus created us, we turned away. We did our own thing. We listened to our, our own voice in our hearts and the voice of our arch enemy, one who hates our soul. And yet, even when we turned away from God, Jesus, or God's love never failed. And 
He pursued us in a number of ways that were really quite amazing and wonderful. He, he gave us prophets to call us back to God. He gave the people the law so that they could live in a community of faith. But he wasn't done there. Ultimate expression of God's love is Jesus. And Jesus came into the world. Do you remember these stories? They're real. Jesus came into the world and he healed the sick and he fed the hungry and he he took people who were blind and he gave them sight, spiritual sight and physical sight. If they couldn't walk, he helped them to walk. He freed people like that woman who reached out for his prayer shawl, touched it, freed them from oppression of the body when your body fails you. One of the most beautiful things that he did was is he created a new covenant for us of water and the spirit. And when we're baptized into that covenant something new and amazing happens. So much so that the ripples of that baptism echo throughout all of the universe. Nothing is ever the same again. That's scriptural. That's how powerful it is when we come into the household of faith. There came a night when Jesus sat with his disciples before he was crucified and he took the bread and gave thanks to you, Father, and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you and he gave the cup to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, Holy Spirit, pour out yourself upon us gathered here upon these gifts of bread and cup and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood by your spirit make us one with Christ one with each other one in ministry and all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet table through your son Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit working in your holy church. All honor and glory and power is yours. Almighty Father, now and forever.